Puerto Rico. Poetic justice in a tragic form took place on July 4, 1502. A fleet of 32 caravels had assembled at Santo Domingo four days before, making ready to sail for Spain. Among the passengers on Antonio de Torres' flagship, which was El Dorado, was this ever-scheming Bobadilla. Uh, he was an interesting character. Um, he actually imprisoned Columbus two years earlier. Um, and by coincidence, their paths crossed again right there. And Columbus uh, over there put in at Santa Domingo on his return from a voyage. He didn't like the feel of the heavy, still air, uh, the atmosphere, recognizing the familiar uh, for warning of hurricane. I mean, you have to remember Columbus was a uh, very experienced uh, sailor, navigator. So despite all that happened in the past between them, he told Bobadilla that he was uh, fearing the incoming storm, but his advice was scorned. Perhaps Bobadilla uh, remembered the uh, famous navigator's warning four days later as he struggled for his life in the watery fury of the worst hurricane ever recorded at that time. During 12 hours of July 4th, its cyclonic winds and massive Waves tore the flora to shreds, swamping a dozen of ships in the Mona Passage and breaking most of the rest against the shores of Puerto Rico, Santo Domingo, and Mona Islands. Only five people survived that day. 27 caravels, among them El Dorado, were lost with over 500 lives, including Bobadillas. There was treasure in quantity on the destroyed ships. Perhaps half of its gold nuggets and dust and pearls had been stowed aboard El Dorado. The single richest item was a solid gold table reputed to weigh one and a half tons, through which Bobadilla intended to express his gratitude to the Catholic king for his appointment as governor. So yeah, he was a governor and that's why he had the power to imprison uh, uh, Columbus for whatever reason. So the flagship uh, was believed to have gone down in the Mona Passage where depths of thousand feet are encountered. No trace of its wreckage was discovered during the salvage work along the coast after the seas had subsided. Much was recovered from wrecks which had been thrown up on reefs and beaches. But at least three million, and of course that value was in 1962, in gold and pearls were gone. So obviously the value is much, much higher right now. So in the accounts of Bobadilla's 3,310 pound golden table, 
if his accounts were true, about $2 million in treasure lie in the remnants of El Dorado. And again, this is in old dollars. Today, much, much higher value. So it remains in El Dorado, way down under Mona Passage. Some of the other wrecks against the coast, partly salvaged or beyond reach of, uh, beyond the reach of uh, 1,500 Indian skin divers, might make worthwhile targets for modern scuba uh, divers. But uh, El Dorado and her treasures will be difficult to find since they were uh, not found as of yet, according to the records. But we do know that it was close to the shore, so the depths are not going to be that, that deep to encounter. Now, let's focus on Mona Island, Puerto Rico. So Mona Island, M-O-N-A, Mona Island, is the archipelago of Puerto Rico. La Isla de Mona, as the Spanish call it, is a natural paradise with no native inhabitants as of that writing, which we're talking about 60 years ago. At uh, just 11 kilometers by seven kilometers, this is in fact the location where the infamous English pirate Henry, Henry Jenkins, Jennings, known not only for his cruelty, but also for his knowledge and good manners, hid his treasure. An expedition in 1939 discovered the doubloon filled chest and was auctioned in Chicago for a fabulous sum uh, back then, a million dollars. I mean, we're talking about 1939 uh, dollar value. But that wasn't the only treasure Mona Island kept hidden. Every once in a while, a gold coins were washed ashore by the tide. Uh, the island was not inhabited as of that writing, um, so whoever found it kept it for, for himself. Now I'm going to go to different sources to expand on our knowledge of this island, of Mona Island. So here's a writing from a piece called The Treasures of Silver Shoals and the Isle of Mystery. Well-informed treasure hunters have by now discovered that the mysterious island in Waldo Logan's tale is Mona. At the time, the chapter was written in late 1956 and checked by Waldo Logan for accuracy. Uh, we decided, the author of the story refers to himself, we decided not to name the place as he uh, as he hoped to interest a backer to go for the treasure. My last letter from him was received on January 9, 1957. Waldo Hancock Logan died on January 11, 1957 in Miami, Florida, at the age of 58. He was a true treasure hunter and had spent a large part of his life uh, in search and actual hunting and surveying locations and he was well known in his field. He was one of those adventurous men who work and dream 
and now that he has gone on the great adventure, may his spirit be with those of the pirates and buccaneers he knew so well. The author has in his possession unpublished information uh, written by Walter Logan on details of procedure for further work on Mona Island, which might be valuable to future expeditions. This information will be held private and not released except by the approval and permission of his ears. So, if you're really serious about it, you better contact his ears and uh, see if they'll let you have the information. The attempt made by uh, the Falcon, Captain George Churchill, to find the Silver Shoals treasure galleons was taken from three-page manuscript letter uh, from on board his Majesty ship, the Falcon Jamaica SS 14th, 1683, signed uh, General Churchill. See the man who missed the boat in manuscript volume eight, number three, Spring, 1956, page 153-157. The original letter is now in the uh, Pierpoint Morgan Library in New York. The details of the uh, Captain Phipps' treasure are told in the Hispaniola treasure by Cyrus uh, Caracas, um, University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia, 1934 contains a fine bibliography of sources. Now, the reason why I mention Sir William Phipps is because uh, he was the most successful treasure hunter of all times, and I have another piece coming up regarding him. He was a poor boy of New England who became governor and was knighted because of his salvage from the lost Spanish galleons on Silver Shoals. Um, his adventures and his success of, of finding those, uh, salvaging those treasure is legendary and was the basis of many tales and books. Uh, if you do enjoy fiction uh, based on fact, you can read Silver Shoals by Hamilton Cochrane. In any, in any case, uh, uh, William uh, Phipps was actually ready for his next adventure. His main aim was to find that solid gold table. And he would not undertake such adventure if he didn't know the chances were very high to find it. And it was not in deep waters as they did not have the, the technology to go dive deep. So if he was uh, uh, ready to undertake this adventure, this, this new search, and he was apparently having a lot of good information, then it is very possible probably to find it still. Now, more in regards to that island. So someone found emerald and a diamond in one of the caves right in the center of that island. Uh, just be 
aware that if you go there, you will not gonna find good or clean facilities as of that writing. Uh, and the last information was uh, that you could camp there, you could set up a camp, uh, but you have to find out what the current uh, regulations are. So, uh, this island is considered the most important for treasure hunter. This, this is crossroads of buccaneers and it, it is believed that it could yield a great treasure estimated of about $110 million in old money. We talk about 50 years ago. There are at least, that we know of, two other treasure hoards on the island. One is possibly the remains of the cache from which a beachcomber digging in the sand took uh, $40,000 in 1935. Another one is believed to be discovered, but the finder went insane and was removed without giving any sensible information. Uh, the island, uh, a, a favorite pirate hideout had an earthquake in 1700s and is partly covered with dense jungle. The beaches are wide and were used in pirate days for careening and carousing. The pirates took over the fort built by the Spanish. Um, it was natural that some pirates would use the island as a deposit box for the tons of loot. So, it is definitely a place to go if you have the ability. Of course, bring some good metal detectors and other equipment, uh, treasure searching equipment, of course. There is, um, on this island, there is a single cave that formed the entrance to an inner treasure-filled cavern. Uh, and it was blocked with the dirt uh, and was the doorway was covered by a huge flat stone uh, cunningly fitted. Um, obviously, they were trying to hide that treasure, the pirates, in a way that no ordinary visitor would find it. Uh, but then, on top of that, there was uh, denotated, uh, detonated large amounts of uh, dynamite and the dirt above the entrance covered this, this, this area, the entrance. Uh, and they say it would take 50 hardworking people working about a month uh, to uncover that face of the entrance of the cave. So, uh, another reference to it, 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 it talks about uh, that during a war, a German submarine uh, fired 20 shells into the cave, thinking it is a military installation before leaving. And said uh, Logan, friend of Robert Nesmith, author of Dig for Pirate Treasure. And I quote, I have altered the landscape enough to make the correct location possible to detect. And I have a complete plan of attacking case. I find it possible to return. The treasure consists of piles of thick golden coins, blackened pieces of eight, rubies from the mines of Mogok, emeralds and pearls, etc. Now, here's another reference to the cave 
and I quote, there is one cave on Mona known as the Pirate Cave. It is a magnificent piece of natural architecture with dim recesses and long, low passages leading away into a mysterious distance. Stalactites and stalagmatites line up like groups of organ tubes, screening entrances to rooms that open up new vistas of beauty. Uh, peculiarity of Pirate Cave is the ghostly light that is shed throughout its mysterious precincts. The light is pale, shimmering, yellowish-green, and comes from the phosphorus in the damp walls. Imagine just to find yourself in a place like that. Here's another source that continues, and I quote, and the carriers of the rough boxes of silver pieces were happy and unobservant as they staggered down long passes through dim lit halls and down to the lower recesses of the further reaches of the cavern. This describes actually uh, uh, placing the treasure, placing those many boxes of silver and perhaps gold into that cave. At length, they came to, um, let me just get the best part. At length, they came to a low vaulted room through which a small stream ran, where the stream passed over a sort of natural aqueduct. A small grotto was disclosed by the lantern held by the pirate chief. There, in a dry recess under the stream's bed, the boxes of Spanish coins were laid away. Good luck hunting. If you enjoyed this program, please subscribe, like it, and share it.